Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of April 13th. I'm your host, D. Swab Derek Kessinger, joined, as always, by the editorial staff of Notes Master Kevin Kovac, Big Shot Bob, Robert Holman, and Kyle. I'm just going to call you Darren McFadden, Kyle Darren McFadden. It's the only uh, McFadden name I could go with there. And Kovac, um, it wasn't the truth, Paul Pierce. But the other truth, Greg Satterley picking up the win at Port Royal Sunday in Lucas Oil action. But some would say maybe he was given a gift after EPJ and Larson tangled in the mid-stage of the race in turns three and four. Larson spun out. EPJ had a flat tire. A wild Sunday showcase scene at Port Royal. Yeah, I guess, yeah, the the, the brakes did fall Satterley's way. As soon as that happened, uh looked like when uh, Earl Pearson – uh, Junior was making a move on the bottom of, of Larson going down the backstretch. Uh, according to Pearson, and really Larson's admitted it also too, he he conceded that he probably was the, the cause of it. He came down a little bit, shoved Pearson into the inside wall in the turn three, broke the steering rack in Pearson's car and kind of took the wheel off out of uh, Larson's hand and I made him spin. So it made it an easy way to get the lead. But at that point, Satterley had already come up from sixth to third. He'd already passed the two national tour champions from last year, uh, McCready and, and Brandon Shepard, and, and he was catching those leaders. It really would have been a real, real interesting last 15 laps, I think. I, I, was, uh, I, was, I was shaping up to be a pretty good, good finish because even though it was still sun, it was uh, afternoon, I mean, the sun was still out there at that point. It had been windy all day. Uh, there had been some, you know, snow and rain in the in the morning hours through the early afternoon, uh, but track was still pretty good. I mean, for an afternoon show, you couldn't have asked anything better than that. And there would have been racetrack there for Saturday to make a move on, on those guys because, and I think it really would have been an interesting, uh, you know, a race through lap traffic at the end with those guys uh, battling for the lead, which looked like Saturday could go anywhere. Looked like Pearson was good in the bottom. Larson said he really could only run the top. So it, it, it really would have been some, uh, some moving around. But, hey, Sally's not going to apologize for getting a little bit of a break. I mean, he already had a break in the heat race. And he started on the outside pole, slid up into the outside wall in the first lap and turned two, kind of got caught, clipped by a car going by. But the caution come out, and it was multi-car uh, incident. So he kept his spot, and he was able to still finish second, even with some rear deck body uh, damage. So – he had taken so many chances, so many tries to get a win, a national tour win at Port Royal, which is a track that he's really good at, uh, and kind of came up empty all the time. Didn't finally get it. I mean, everything. It, it, he was due to have everything go his way. Yeah, the truth is going to take that. No doubt about that. Big win for him at a track he's had so many laps on. And Robert, that tussle there, tangle there, I don't know. I've kind of looked like even they both admitted Kyle Larson kind of tried to run the sprint car line there. Maybe he thought maybe he was in the wing cuts down on Earl Pearson. And I never would have thought that uh, Larson would spin out like that in a million years, even after it looked like maybe he was going to settle down and uh, hold on to his spot. But uh, just something we don't see from young money. You know, he did say that, uh, you know, he kind of compared it to sprint, the sprint car stuff where the sprints don't have a door and, you know, and he has a little more visibility uh out of a sprint car and that he really has to make a point to make a hard look to see if anybody's beside him plus we know how these cars are kind of up in the air 
and it, it really it really creates a poor visibility situation you know from your left from both sides actually but your left side especially when your car is really rocked up and um and of course you know no spotters no radios which i know that uh i'm pretty sure that that uh kyle larson is a is an advocate of of no spotters and no radios and that's that sort of stuff i i, I believe uh, I believe that he thinks that the racing is probably better without that stuff. In fact, I, I think I've seen some posts from him before. So you take all that, you know, into consideration. He's running a line down there, and he really thought that uh, that he had Earl cleared. And I can only assume that he thought that he was going to get to that corner and and keep him cleared and, and and hang on to the lead. Whereas obviously. Earl sees an opportunity and knows that he's up beside him and, and thinks that, uh, and basically he's thinking the same thing, that he's going to be able to come off of that corner with the lead and then be able to hang on to that lead for the rest of the race. So Kyle kind of manned up right there and said that he, he guesses it was his fault. I could only assume that, uh, you know, two guys racing hard for, uh, for a win. Uh, and I would tell you, we all know that Kyle Larson is, regardless of what he's driving, is as competitive as it gets. Um, he doesn't like to lose. He, he likes to um, perform well. And uh, I know he was disappointed. And on the other side of that accident, we know that uh, Earl Pearson Jr. really needed a win. And, and he was really sending it down there. And I, and I feel like his eyes probably opened up when he was able to kind of pull up beside uh, Larson there. And uh, unfortunately for, for Earl, he didn't get it done, which um, I, I don't know if there's anybody that doesn't pull for Earl Pearson Jr., to be honest. Uh, he's one of the nicest guys in the pit area and has been kind of on a, a long spell without, without a ton of success here. So uh, it's a heartbreak for him, for sure. Yeah, it looked like vintage Earl Pearson Jr. there. And they were going back and forth, slide jobs after slide jobs. Kyle, I did see a tweet, though, saying, unpopular opinion, I think Greg Satterley still had the car to beat, even though he was in third place when all the third or fourth place when all this happened. How big of a win is this, though, for Satterley, for a guy, you know, four or five years ago was traveling on the Lucas Oil scene, but now he's a family man, businessman. He's staying close to home, racing around. And he's become a fast, fast car in that mid-Atlantic Pennsylvania region. Yeah, for sure. I know Kevin's doing his column uh, on – on uh, Greg and Robbie Allen and, and just kind of the build up, I guess, to the moment on Sunday. No, I mean, it was a huge win. You know, I was going back through the stats and um, I don't think he's ever started the year like this. I know he's ran five times, whereas guys like Evan Moran, you know, they've almost run 30 races so far, but I mean, he's, you know, a Lucas win, his first win on the, on the, at tour since July of 2018. And he's got, uh, you know, podium on Saturday night at Hagerstown. Um, he was coming on late there too. Um, probably didn't have anything there for McCready or Err, but uh, and then also uh, a trio of runner-ups with the UL late model series. Yeah, no, I mean he has his program firing right now, and um, you know just kind of um, I guess enjoying where he's at. Um, you know, just as a dad, obviously, and uh, as a regional team, and uh, I think personally, you know, he's the best you know team in the Mid Atlantic region right now, best driver right now in the Mid Atlantic region right now, and. Um, you know, so, um, and so, yeah, it's a huge win for him. You know, as far as Larson's move coming down the backstretch there, you know, um, you know, you see that move a lot at the sprint car races there at Port Royal. 
And um, I guess, you know, he obviously thought he had a, had a run to where, um, you know, he was going to be able to clear Earl. Obviously, you know, that didn't happen. I thought that Greg was going to catch them both, like regardless of what had happened there with Earl and Kyle. So, no, it, uh, it uh, you know, it was definitely well-deserved. Yeah, he wins the Sunday portion. But, Kevin, my co-host, Tyler Herb, big win at Hagerstown. He even admitted, when I first went to this track for the very first time, I was absolutely horrendous. Big win for Turbo, getting a Lucas Oil win this early in the season that's not East Bay. So I think that's a good shot in the arm for the, the former Texas driver, now Ohio driver. Yeah, it's uh, he was he has kind of been a, a weird uh, – uh, you know, he, he, he wasn't like he was running bad or anything lately. Uh, I think the, everyone, the last, uh, uh, time, <coughs> last time we saw him was, you know, during speed weeks was at Volusia and he kind of, he didn't run at the beginning of the week. He came in and he parked down to the bottom in the Gator pond kind of was out of the way. And it's like, man, was, was, was Tyler even there? He struggled bad. I mean, he admitted it. He, he was like, man, that was, that was not a good week at Volusia. Uh, might as well not have been there the way, the way he ran. And, and that was coming off of, uh, of the Lucas Oil races that during Speed Weeks where he was pretty, you know, he, he, won, he didn't get that, those couple wins like he had won in 2019 and 2021. He had won multiple races uh, at East Bay and, and had been really good uh, on the whole, whole swing, you know. And, and then this year – he had a couple seconds. Yeah. You know, he had some top fives, but he never broke through and got one of those wins. And it was like, Oh, well, you know, that was, it wasn't the, you know, like what we kind of expected almost now from Tyler because he had risen to, you know, he was going to be a winner. You expect him to get at least one win during uh, speed weeks. And then there was the break and he really didn't race much during March, but he got some top fives again. So uh, he was just kind of ready to, to, to you he, he wasn't struggling or anything other than that Volusia, Volusia stretch. So it wasn't a surprise, I guess, that he came out and, and won. He got a, he had a good finish the week before when he picked the found, just found a race with all the rainouts and everything at natural bridge in Virginia. And he was really good. I mean, he, not many guys, I guess, can really usually go to uh, Hagerstown and win. And I think it was his third start of his career there. Uh, it's a tough track, been around. A lot of guys have a lot of experience. A lot of good guys have a lot of experience there. Uh, so him to get one, it, it was a good confidence booster for him. And and when you look at where his positioning is too, in the in the Lucas Oil points, it, it's it's not that bad, you know. I mean, he's uh, last year he he was got wins down there during Lucas, but he also lost points because he had that one penalty the one night he was disqualified the one night at uh at East Bay. So he had to take the last place points. He he couldn't get his he couldn't take his I think it was the best five so he got a big kind of a you know big handicap there in the point stand it was hard to come back from this year he's not and uh so he could be a contender now uh it, for the championship no doubt about that Kovac uh, uh he's leading the points if you technically say Lucas Oil regulars Braden Shepard's in first Devin Moran's in second they both have obviously said they're not going to run and we'll have to wait and see because what drivers say sometimes they say they mean the opposite so he's first ahead of T-Mac right now. And, Robert, we've seen this guy run summer nationals when he was, like, 16 by himself. We've seen him with all his shenanigans, with uh, the things at Cedar Lake, the thing with Bronson, post-race interviews. He's kind of coming around a little bit driving there. And like Kovac said, to win at Hagerstown only in his third start is pretty damn impressive. Is this the year where Tyler Herb takes that next step and we put him in the category with 
the Devin Morans, the Brandon Shepherds, the Bobby Pierces. Is this the year 2022 where we can see that from Tyler Herb? You know, I think we've been kind of waiting for it. Uh, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, I was at North Georgia Speedway and, you know, Davenport was coming off a, a big year and was really the guy on the tour. And I was talking to Tyler and basically he's like, you know, if I'm going to challenge um, Jonathan Davenport to win a, a, the Lucas Oil deal, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to have top threes. And, and at that point, you know, even though he was talking about challenging Jonathan Davenport for the Lucas Oil title, I, I just didn't feel like he was ready. Um, Talent-wise, you know, definitely, you know, talent um, behind the steering wheel for sure. Uh, but then, of course, like, you know, like you said, and he's, he's your co-host, not mine, so I can say this. Sometimes, sometimes he ran out of talent between the ears uh, with some of the things that he's that he's done o over time but as he's matured both on the track and off the track uh, he's proven to be very very formidable a and he's got uh, uh, he's got a great race team I think that's uh, and, and he seems to really get along with Randall Edwards and I think that is huge uh, if you have a driver who is can communicate like and I'm sure Tyler does a, a, a good job of uh, relaying information from the, from the racetrack and things he feels and sees and that sort of thing and feedback. And then you have a, a veteran crew chief like a Randall Edwards, who's been with a bunch of guys, who's been with this team for a long time. And those two get along pretty well and can don't mind spending a little time away from the track together or, you know, like our, our, um, uh, the videos that you guys did with them during Speed Weeks uh, a couple years in a row there with, uh, you know, monitoring the team as they went along in their travels. You can see that they get along well. That's that's huge because that presence with a young guy like Tyler Erb, when he's away from his parents, he has a kind of a paternal, I guess, uh, a paternal figure there in Randall. And, and it's kind of a grounding type figure. And uh, if you can keep Tyler Herb grounded and keep him focused on just the task at hand and not get him sidetracked, you know, he's one of the best in the business right now. If you think about the team, you think about the crew chief, you think about the driver, you think about their equipment, you think about everything that's going on right there, there's no excuses. There's no reason why he couldn't go out and contend to win races every Friday and Saturday, every week. So, so, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that this could be the year that Tyler Herb, maybe he doesn't win it, but maybe it goes down to the wire and he loses a close one and he realizes what it really takes to win one. And then he comes back next year, year after wins one. So I think he's right there on the verge. And, and I really think that this could be the year because one of the things that we have going on this year is you don't really know where a ton of drivers are going to go because of all the money and because of the different tours and because of, of the way the sport is the finances and the way the sport is kind of being stretched right now. So it's a great opportunity for him to jump up there and grab this, especially like you said, Derek, with, you know, him being third, but actually being the top Lucas Oil regular right now, kind of in the point standings. He has a great opportunity if he, he, that he can go out there and seize if he wants to.
yeah, it'll be very interesting to see because Devin Moraine, he has plenty of opportunities to keep running Lucas Oil races, you know, being ahead. Obviously, Brandon and that team, they've run in the World Outlaws, playing the run woo, and they've been running it for a long time. Eventually, those things are going to butt heads. But with the other series, you could see maybe Devin, you know what, we're still winning. We could still maybe just see how we're doing there before we really have to make a decision. So I think I could see Devin definitely going until maybe, you know, uh, Memorial Day weekend to see where he's at. Kyle, we had a good car count out there in Kansas, 81. Bobby Pierce wins the first night. Johnny Scott wins the second night. Good car count. All those Midwestern guys are, you know, chomping at the bit to go racing. You saw Bobby travel all the way from Illinois to Kansas. Pretty cool to see the MLRA kick off a uh, track. Not only looked pretty nice, that facility looked gorgeous as well. Yeah, for sure. I actually didn't get a chance to watch any of the highlights there, but uh, yeah, no, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, good for Bobby for, you know, coming back out. And I don't even know when the last time he raced was, you know, leading up to that point. So it was good to, good to see him get back up there on the board. Yeah, Kovac, I don't know if you saw the highlights, but 81, they might need a big late model event because that place had a big aluminum grain sand. The track looked like it raced well and it looked like it had a good figure on it as well. They had had a late model race, uh, you know, an outlaw race before, uh, I think a few years ago. And I mean, I'm not sure. I'm trying to looking at the schedule right now. Yeah, they do have an outlaw race on October 22nd. So they will have a, a national tour come in. And it does look like a pretty good place. It looks like a nice track. Looks like it raced pretty well. Uh, Bobby Pierce, uh, you know, he has, he's, I think the last race, he, Kyle, I think he did, I think he ran the atomic, uh, not, uh, the atomic race, right? That weekend with the world of, uh, with the Lucas Oil series but he hasn't really been running too much else other than uh, a, a weekly show. He did go to uh, I-55 and ran that weekly show after uh, Farmer City was rained out or canceled. So uh, he's, he's got two wins again and two, two wins in a, in a couple of weeks. I think he'll be back. And once he gets going on to these, these bigger races, he'll have a $10,000 to win. He has a big week this week, actually. He's got three races on his. He's going to run all the MLRA races, uh, you know, go to Davenport, Iowa, and then go to, uh, 34 raceway for that slocum 50 the two-day show with 10,000 uh plus on the line on saturday he's that's a place where he's always good at he can he wheels it at a uh, 34 raceway that's a good track also so um i think we'll see uh bobby pierce kind of rolling up that top 25 list in the coming weeks here as uh as he gets uh gets more races under his belt, bigger races that everybody sees him running uh, and just to give a mention to Johnny Scott, too, that was only his fourth career uh, super late model. He's actually ahead of, uh, of his brother Stormy now in, in <laughs> overall wins in the late model. And Stormy has more, more, uh, more years in the late model. Uh, Johnny kind of like started in mid-2019 and hasn't run quite as many. But it was good that, you know, he, I'm sure he was happy to get a win because it had been a struggle this year. He ran a lot of speed weeks, ran out there at the Wild West shootout didn't really have much uh much to show much results to show for his racing this year and then to come out he got a uh, top five uh, the first night gets a win the second uh johnny yeah, definitely raised his spirits and now uh now he's got to get stormy back on track too uh and and so both scott brothers uh to, to to get rolling a little bit yeah let's see if johnny and the scott brothers can get a little shot in the arm for their race team and see if they can make some noise here coming up later on in April and early May and see if they could continue that momentum. As for Bobby Pierce, he usually doesn't heat up until mid-March or April anyway, so we're just kind of used to Pierce and company uh, starting to heat up a little bit once the Midwest temps start to rise here in Illinois. 
All right. As you know, the Kyle Larson Late Model Challenge presented by Tezos is this Thursday at Volunteer Speedway in Bowles Gap, Tennessee. $20,000 along the line. Live at Flow Racing. Obviously, Kyle Larson will be in the house. NASCAR star William Bryant or William Byron is wheeling the Warrior House car. Should be an exciting night. Now, Larson told me in an interview last week, he wants this event to become the prelude to the dream. And it got me thinking for today's topic, how possibly we could make the return of the prelude. We'd probably have to use a different name since Eldora was the original, if it never went back to the Big E. Robert, I just got to ask you one simple first question. Did you like the original prelude at Eldora? I liked it from a fan's uh, perspective, being able to sit home and watch it. Because uh, I, I never actually attended it. So, uh, but yeah, from, from sitting home and, and being able to, to tune it in and, and watch it live on television uh, on the night that it was on, I actually enjoyed it, yes. And Kyle, when they first had the first few, we were a bunch of young pups, high school days, early college. Um, I always enjoyed it. Ordering the HBO, did you? Were you a fan of it? Did you like it? What do you remember most from the original ones? Yeah, actually, I was just thinking about that this morning. You know, when that was in in my lifetime. Uh, yeah, no, I really enjoyed. Um, you know what that was, and I was kind of looking through the old like results and just kind of seeing, you know, Steve Steve Kenzer, you know, racing that race too, and and some of you know like. Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon and Carl Edwards and Kyle Busch and, you know, Bobby Labonte and, you know, just guys that I grew up watching on NASCAR circuit, you know, taking the dirt, you know, and that was really cool. And, um, you know, just kind of looking back through the years, um, you know, that was honestly probably one of the bigger races that I was always looking forward to. It seemed like, you know, in that short span that they actually had it at Eldora. And honestly, you know, being that young, it was probably the first time I ever saw a race on TV at, you know, the Big E. So, um, you know, yeah, so I miss it um, as far as this event that Kyle's trying to put on. I know, I guess this is a topic for, you know, later on in the conversation, but, you know, if, if this was to become something like that, you know, what track would you want to have it at, you know, keep it at volunteer or, uh, you know, just, you know, try to move it around or, or take it back to Eldora. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, looking back on that event, um, just as a young fan and just as a fan then, obviously, you know, that was, that was probably one of the, the bigger events that I was always looking forward to just as a fan. Yeah, it was very exciting. Kyle Busch has won it. Jimmy Johnson has won it. Tony Stewart, Kenny Wallace, a few others. It was always for a good cause. And Kovac, I, found an interesting interview in Larson last week. He said, this is a new crop of NASCAR guys that we maybe need to get more involved in the dirt track world, like the fan wise, because a lot of these guys are new. They're really young. I think it'd be, a, I think in my eyes, it'd be very important that it's something like the prelude again and get the dirt track fans to see how these guys are reacting, to see their personalities. I think it'd be a good thing damn right that would be a good thing because look at some of these guys that are in nascar now i, I mean i i don't want to i'm not putting nascar down or anything but there should be a lot more kyle larson's than there are of other drivers in there which i mean i i, I can look back at a 1987 the winston all-star race poster 
and name every single driver in it still. I mean, every, I mean, everyone. I mean, I'm not a problem. And I'm, there's a lot of drivers I still can't pick out of a lineup in NASCAR. I don't watch it as much anymore. But these guys that are in there, so many of them don't come from short track racing. They don't, I mean, they don't come from like where they were like big winners in short track racing. They just came up, they ran some, like, I mean, William Byron is an example, sort of. I mean, he ran a, he started out in iRacing, ran one year legend cars, uh, I, I, you know, got a sponsor in, in Liberty University. Next thing you know, he's running for Dale Earnhardt Jr. in a late model, and he's running K&N races. He's running ARCA races, and, 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 and he's in a Hendrick car by 20, by age of 20. Um, he, wasn't, he never had to kick around and win races all over the country on a short track, so, you know, running down with his own deal or anything like that. I mean, and that's the way a lot of drivers are in NASCAR now. They do not come to NASCAR with any kind of, like, fan following. Kyle Larson brought fans. I mean, if Kyle Larson was Tony Stewart, when he went to NASCAR, he brought fans. I mean, they had their own fan base already because they had won so many dirt races and, uh, and short track races. And, and that automatically translates over. I mean, there used to be a time when NASCAR wasn't so big where like, um, you know, back in the day, back in the seventies and eighties, drivers would go run other races, short track races, because they didn't make enough money in NASCAR. You know, they, they wanted to make more money. Now, I mean, you, they don't have to even go run. I mean, Kyle Larson, he, he, he just loves the short track racing. He doesn't have to go run that to, to make, a, make a living. All the guys in NASCAR, they, they, it, it's to the point now where they can make a living, a big, you know, a lot of money uh, just by running NASCAR. You lose that, were, that, that connection with the short track world. Uh, and, and I know back in these in the 70s, when, when those drivers were kind of going back and forth, NASCAR races, they used to like recruit local guys to go run. Like I know here, Kenny Breitbull, a late model driver from in the early eighties, but more of a big block modified driver from Pennsylvania, legend, big block guy. He got a ride a couple of times at the Dover uh, NASCAR cup race in the seventies because they wanted local short track fan uh, involvement. They wanted those fans to come follow him to the race. And, and, and that's what I think what would really could help NASCAR if you would do like another prelude to the dream type of thing and, and get those. I mean, it's there's only so many Kyle Larson's, though, where they can just go run a regular late model race and be competitive. Um, and most guys aren't going to be able to do that, like when they don't have experience and dirt. But you put them all like they did, like at Eldora, to put them all those guys in a late model car. You paint up their you letter their cars up like they're a like their cars that they run in cup uh, you team them up with a, with a dirt late model team and driver in it. And everyone's kind of on the equal footing and it, and it made it much more exciting for the fans and, and yeah, the, the fans, the short track fans saw these guys care about dirt track racing. And uh, now we'll follow them a little bit more in, in late mo in, in the Sundays on NASCAR and NASCAR races. I think that's what really, what they really should do. They should probably try to get another prelude to the dream uh, drum up maybe kyle larson can uh, can create that yeah that would be phenomenal like you said like like you said in my interview that is his goal one day to make it sort of like the prelude maybe you want to be like the top notch like we saw on the hbo stuff like that but robert logistically though it's going to be very tough to do that because a lot of these guys don't have race teams and stuff like that and i was talking to brandon overton last week and saying hey man would that be cool if they brought it back and he said yeah it would be good but there's so much racing going on. We can't even get our own cars ready. How are we going to get these guys ready 
for a prelude to the dream type scenario, which I think the only way to have it again, it has to be at Eldora before a big marquee event where you have more drivers to choose from to pick and choose. Hey, can you supply a car for William Byron? Hey, can you supply a car for this guy? So I'd only think it would work at Eldora. But when you're racing for a million dollars now or a big time of money, it's going to be a lot tougher for those drivers to do. So what do you think a good option would be if we did bring back a type of a prelude uh, scenario? Well, first of all, Derek, I actually think that it would – I want to throw out a short list of drivers right now, uh, and then I'll, I'll I address that. Uh, Tyler Reddick, A.J. Allmendinger, Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, uh, the Dillon brothers, Kenny Wallace, Kenny Schrader, Tony Stewart. If you could get those guys involved, I actually think that you would probably maybe see a better race than we saw 15, 20 years ago whenever that previous one was. I agree. Uh, these guys that, uh, you know, that are the, some of these younger guys that are that run the Chili Bowl, that are that have some dirt experience, maybe not late model experience, but dirt experience. I really feel like I think I just listed eight or nine drivers. And then I'm sure there's more that I've overlooked that uh, could put on one one hell of a show. Uh, now, the key to that is making sure that they are in top notch equipment. That is uh, imperative. Uh, making sure that they have someone who can, because, um, you know, the intricacies of a dirt late model, you know, it's not the same as a sprint car. And like you said, everybody's not Kyle Larson who can just, like, get in a wheelbarrow and be fast, you know. So I just feel like you you have someone who can guide them and say, okay, in, in, in a proper way, uh, you've got to have drivers whose egos aren't, so inflated that they're they think they're too good for this you also have to have the the team the guys in top-notch equipment which means i kind of do think that that you put um you put it on at you know who knows how long the dirt's going to be covered at bristol how are we going to do it you know for the next five years we're going to do it or is it over uh you know bristol could be a could be an option a tuesday night deal in Bristol leading up to our Wednesday night deal, whatever, Thursday night, whatever, a midweek deal in Bristol leading up to their weekend race of the dirt at Bristol. If they continue to do that for the next 10 years, I don't think they will, but if they did, that's an option. Uh, if they, if they didn't, uh, you have with raceway big half mile, um, I'm not sure about how the how it would work. In I'm now I'm, I'm obviously talking about linking it to Bristol. You have With, who's you know an hour from Bristol, a big half mile holds a lot of people. Uh, it's kind of picturesque right there. That uh, still right on the interstate like uh, Bulls Gap. So that's an option. Uh, but definitely for the fan fan wise and to get the most exposure. Having it the week before the dream uh, would be ideal, you know. And it is the old one was called the Prelude, you know, Prelude to the Dream. So, you know, I think that that's that Eldora is definitely your your, you know, the place that it would need to be at, you know, uh, just because of of Tony Stewart's connection and and you have so many so many things and the, the infrastructure, the facility, the pit area, everything at Eldora is, is really, really nice, obviously. And, 
and then you know a second option could be Knoxville. You know, I I wouldn't be opposed to seeing something like that. I would tune in to watch that at a track like Knoxville as well. If you could, you know, maybe link it with the Iowa race out there, the NASCAR race, you know, out there somewhere. Kovac, you had your hand raised. You were waving at me. What do you have to? What's your? What, what, uh, what do you have to say? Do you? I guess I'm gonna ask you. You can probably answer this after whatever you got. But is Kyle Busch right saying if? You know, dirt racing, we take a step back when we race dirt. Is that correct? Because I don't believe that at all. Well, that's what I kind of wanted to mention where uh, I think Richard Petty was the first guy who said that, like when the uh, at the beginning of the last year before the first dirt race um, at Bristol. <clears throat> He's saying that we're taking a step back or something because we're running the dirt. And, uh, and Kyle Busch reiterated it a little bit. I think it was just last week he, he made a comment. Uh, saying that he just doesn't also think that those those cup cars are not made to be run on dirt they're they're just not um i mean heck they even run they even leave the windshields in them i believe i, I don't know if they tested without windshields yet this year but i mean windshields on a dirt car that's not exactly a, a a good thing you know especially if the track gets a little wet but um that's uh they don't, uh, so they really don't belong on dirt. And there's a lot of guys that don't really know how to run dirt. So, Kevin, it, yeah, uh, go ahead. Na NASCAR cars, and like you're saying, basically, NASCAR cars in their current form on dirt, it, it's a gimmick. It, it's, right. That's literally mm -hmm. all it is. Right. Exactly. It's cool that NASCAR wanted to do something like kind of a throwback thing and, and it's it's definitely gets attention. I mean, you got to give credit to NASCAR to like for trying some things like that, but it isn't really. I mean, it's 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 not what they're made to do, you know. And and maybe like NASCAR would get involved, but maybe they maybe it becomes an exhibition where the Prelude to the Dream is a NASCAR affiliated uh, race. Like you know, maybe NASCAR could get that short track attention get their drivers in front of the short track fan, the dirt track fans by really getting behind a big prelude to the dream and getting most of their uh, drivers there to run it and being able to throw more money at it. Maybe they can make it more of a bit. It hasn't been on. Last time the prelude was run was 2012. It was 2005 through 12 they ran it. So we're 10 years out of it now. That's a, that's a long time in racing. Uh, back then, it, that was all on pay-per-view on HBO or whatever, I guess it was, you know, they didn't have, the streaming really had maybe started a little bit, but there wasn't all this streaming going on at that point either. So it's a different world since then, but it, you could possibly, if NASCAR gets behind it, Tony Stewart with Eldora gets behind it, Kyle Larson's behind a deal to bring all these drivers and hook them up with good late model teams. Because Kyle Busch did say that he goes, I see good dirt, I, I good, I see good dirt races, but they're dirt cars on dirt tracks. That's what makes it such a good race, and that I think that's what he would want to see. Maybe make it an exhibition race. I say get NASCAR behind it. It could be a really big, uh, you know, a big television event when you have that, uh, and and maybe that would bring more money into the dirt racers too to be able to fund doing this in, in case a guy crashes or to make it more worthwhile for teams to get another car ready. Hey, let's not, let's not overlook the fact that uh, NASCAR has three facilities that have pretty decent dirt tracks at them in, in Charlotte, Texas, and Las Vegas. That would be incredible to, to have to show, you talk about, a sh, you know, your word showcase 
you talk about a showcase on a Thursday night at, at Texas yeah. or Las Vegas to have, you know, 20, 22 NASCAR guys going at it in dirt late models, man, that would be, that would be a showcase. Yeah. 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 You throw that would be like that midweek stuff. That's what people want to get. They talked about midweek races for NASCAR, you know, maybe this could be the midweek kind of exhibition fun thing. Everybody would be into it. And you in I think it would expand the fan base, make people more interested in NASCAR if the drivers uh, come in front of the dirt race fans. Yeah, and Kyle, like they've been saying, we are primed to have this event. We have a lot of dirt guys that have been involved either in the past or guys trying to, you know, put their toes in the water with the chili bowl like Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman of the world. It just seems like it's perfect opportunity because I think that more dirt race fans watch NASCAR now because of Kyle Larson effect the last two years than they did five years ago. There's no doubt about that. Just no, absolutely. People, they want to see Kyle Larson, how he's doing on the asphalt. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I know, you know, I'm a big golf fan and I used to watch Tiger Woods all the time when he would come to, you know, congressional country club near DC. Cause I live in Maryland and what mod. And honestly to, to see kind of the, like the synergy that's kind of with the fans and the athlete that they're watching perform at this, you know, extraordinary high level. Honestly, I'd compare it to, you know, a Tiger Woods effect just with kind of how fans kind of follow, you know, Kyle and, and where he's going. And, you know, you just know if, if Kyle's going to throw his name in any kind of race that it's just going to bring, it's going to bring the hype and uh, it's going to live up to the hype. So um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, just to get Chase Elliott too, and William Byron and Alex Bowman, you know, and um, honestly, you know, I agree with Robert Pett. It's a gimmick. It's an absolute gimmick. Um, I think it was cool to try it. Um, I, I was all for it. I think maybe two years ago, a year ago, if you would have told me that, you know, the cup cars were going to be at Bristol on dirt. And if you would have said that it's a gimmick, I would have kind of hedged a little bit, but now, after watching it last year and just kind of seeing, you know, with the changes with the next gen car and just kind of seeing where NASCAR's moving to more, I guess, road racing, I don't know, pack racing at a mile and a half track. I'm absolutely not a fan of that. that that's a completely different subject for another conversation, but um, it, it just kind of fits along, you know, those lines. And so that being said, also, you know, not looking over, the motive that's what nascar is trying to do trying to get back in touch with its roots per se and you know if they really want to do that i take the best route i think it's to absolutely resurrect the prelude to the dream and um you know and i think also to looking at i think there's another element to this too you know i was kind of in the nascar media circle for a handful of years and i feel like you know, the Jeff Glucks of the world and the Matt Weavers and, you know, NBC a little bit too, you know, if there was any dirt track racing that they would give love to, it'd be the sprint cars. And I wouldn't see a whole lot of those guys, I guess, dipping their toes in the late model world. So, um, and in my opinion, I think, you know, the late models are uh, just kind of just the whole dynamic, the industry, the business model is obviously um, you know, I would put it ahead of the sprint car game. And so it's, uh, to bring those guys to kind of the national media outlets, you know, they have a lot of fans and, you know, following them, I think Jeff Cluck's got like, I don't know, 250,000 followers on Twitter or something like that. And, you know, just getting more eyeballs to sports, something like that. And building bridges to connect 
you know, every single fan of motorsports from NASCAR to dirt racing, dirt late model racing, especially, I mean, you can't go wrong. And, and so, um, yeah, I was actually kind of talking with Kyle a little bit. I, you know, and um, I know Eldora is the optimal place to kind of have it. It makes sense to kind of bring it back there. Um, I also think he perhaps wants to kind of look around at some other venues to see, you know, where he could possibly have that race. And so um, we'll see where it goes. You know, I hope Thursday's a hit. I know that William Byron's the only cup driver racing it. But, you know, moving forward, hopefully they can develop some kind of model and some kind of plan to, to make it, you know, sustainable and ultimately, you know, fruitful. Yeah, and William Byron will be racing the Boyer house car. So shout out to Mike Knuckles and the gang there. Maybe they can make some noise, put their uh, name and chassis on the map. And it's going to be a fun night for that team. Let's see if anybody can stop Kyle Larson. He finished second there during flow night in America. We got a lot of heavy hitters there, but before we do one more thing, I want to go around the room. What NASCAR driver would you want to pair up with a dirt late model team? If they did a prelude again, I just want to, I'm kind of throwing you guys on the spot here. Obviously Mark Richards had Tony Stewart, uh, Bloomquist and Kyle Busch. Kovac, who would you like to see a late model team team up with a NASCAR driver? What would be your dream scenario if we had a prelude type event next year? Mm. Man, you're throwing me on the spot. You're just—I just said that. I'm like, I can't barely even name. Like, I can't pick the guys out of a lineup on all these NASCAR guys. Yeah, only a few of them. Uh, <clears throat> so I'd have to have some guy, somebody that would be like a, you know, of a, a more of a a, a regular, uh, an older guy. Maybe a Kevin Harvick. Let's put Kevin Harvick with. Uh, uh, who should we put Kevin Harvick with? Put him with Brandon Overton. Let's have a Brandon Overton. I mean, everybody will get along. Everybody will have a good time with Brandon Overton. And, you know, I think uh, Kevin Harvick seems sort of like the more of a no nonsense guy, and I think he would he'd get along with uh, with Overton. You know, have fun. That'd, that'd be a good show. Good, good a good teaming, I think. Be a fun time with Big Sexy and Kevin Harvick. I'm a huge Harvick guy, so I I like that. Um, I'm gonna go next. I'm gonna go bring the band back together. The last team to win the prelude of the dream. We need Kyle Busch and Scott Bloomquist to defend their crown. They're both polarizing figures. I remember Kyle Busch winning NASCAR races. He's doing the boo-hoo and stuff like that. He gets the most boos by far during driver announcements. So you got to put him with Scott Bloomquist again, and you got to give him a chance to defend their championship. So I'm going to go Kyle Busch and Scott Bloomquist. Robert, what do you think? Well, you know, I, I was going with a, uh, at first, I was going to go with an earlier, an older band in um, uh, Tyler Reddick and Scott Bloomquist. Uh, you know, I was going to to go I that like route, that. but uh, but since you since you, I was because let's say you've taken Bloomquist off the table. Uh, I'm I want to win this thing, so I'm going to go with a, a NASCAR guy who set the fast time at I believe the World 100 and one of the, the hottest uh, uh, dirt teams in the country right now and bring this band back together and Austin Dillon and Dale McDowell. That's, uh, that's where I'm going, because I want to go up there and be competitive and, uh, and try, try to win. So I want to go Austin Dillon and, and Dale McDowell. And, uh, of course, you can't say Dale McDowell without mentioning his brother Shane. Let's see if they bring the cowboy hats back into play there. That'd be great to see. Kyle, who do you think? 
I actually want to see Denny Hamlin and Tyler Rur pair up. I think that'd be funny. Just kind of two, two funny, edgy personalities. And I don't know. I think, uh, I just think that would be funny. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that'd be the perfect pairing, honestly, in my opinion. So Kyle's going for laughs. I'm trying to win the damn thing. And Kyle's just going, Kyle's just Hey, going they're both talented. You know, he's going for drivers. Makes he's sense. Going yeah, for, for pick, sure. Right? <laughs> Maybe. Hey, I like that. Denny Hamlin's competitive. Turbo would have competitive equipment. I think they'd be a great fit. Maybe uh, Hamlin would look at Turbo and say, what the hell is he talking about sometimes? But I think it'd be a great fit because t- at the end of the day, they're both competitive guys. It'd be a good run. And we would laugh. And what do you think, Robert? I just couldn't get this out of my head. We, the Richard Petty comment, you know, last year really bothered me. But when you think about – because it seems like a diss on dirt late model racing or dirt racing in general. But when you think about what Richard Petty and those old guys came from, they were doing their absolute best to get away from dirt racing. They were doing all they could to get rid of the, to get away from the fist fights and the, and and the, thrown beer bottles and and everything that they did on a weekly basis to try to make seventy five dollars at the racetrack and and the dust and the, they were doing their best to get away from it, so it's it's easy to understand, even though frustrating because it's pretty closed minded now. It's easy to understand how an older guy like a Richard Petty would make a comment like that to say that it's taking a step back. Because to a guy like him, where he came from, he was doing – him and those other guys were doing all they could to get away from it, to to move forward from from that. But the dirt racing today is not like the dirt racing in 1960. So – so that's – I just had to get that off my chest before we moved away from this whole NASCAR and dirt racing thing, man. Well, we appreciate those comments. I kind of agree with that. Dirt racing is definitely taking the next step. NASCAR, them working together for some sort of prelude thing would be cool. I would love to see more and more NASCAR guys racing dirt track racing. i like to see more dirt track people appreciate the NASCAR guys because I think there's some talented drivers in it. But as always, we finish the show with – one more thing, and Kyle, I'm just going to pick you. What is your one more thing? Okay. <laughs> I guess, um, I don't know, just kind of seeing fans on social media get on tracks to, who are canceling, it seems like, earlier these days, you know, a few days ahead of time, you know, leading up into events that don't have favorable weather forecasts leading into weekends or events or, you know, like Eldora on Tuesday. You know, I think they made the right decision there, you know, kind of canceling that. Just because, you know, just the um, – you know, just teams are traveling so far these days. And I was actually looking at national average of diesel fuel prices is like $5 and 15 cents or something like that average nationally, whereas opposed to last year, it's like $3 if, if that, you know, so it's almost, almost doubled. Um, you know, just, I guess, taking more consideration in, into kind of the costs and expenses and into, um, you know, just kind of what, what tracks are just kind of dealing with, I guess, you know, just be more sensible, I guess, just as a fan and, and uh, you know, get more grace there to these tracks. I like it. I like it. I'm going to go next. Uh, this weekend, Kovac mentioned it, the Slocum 50. It's uh, always a great event in the Midwest. It's the 14th annual, hard to believe. 
Um, I've been going virtually every year to it. The guys up there, they're, they roll out the red carpet for us. I can't uh, express that enough. Going to be a great field. All the Illinois guys coming up there, MLRA guys at a 34 raceway. It's a great, great track. Two-day show Friday and Saturday. Bobby Pierce is going for his fifth title. Can Shane and Bab finally miss Mother Nature and finally race? Um, Jason Pabich will try to defend his crown. It's a great event. Get out there if you can. It's live on Flow Racing, but I just can't talk about how much those guys have done for Dirt on Dirt up there. And it's a great, great race. Slocum 50 Memorial Race. So uh, it's for a good cause and stuff like that. But uh, it's always uh, one of my favorite regional events we cover all year long. So I cannot wait for that, for that this weekend. Hopefully they got great weather. Get there to 34 Raceway in Burlington, Iowa. Kovac, what do you got? Uh, well, I would uh... – on Saturday, on Sunday, you know, when the winner of the race at Port Royal was, Port, was uh, Greg Satterley. And when you, when you saw him outside the car, he did have less of a beard. Now, let's, let's just say that. I mean, uh, I don't know if you've seen some of those pictures of Greg uh, after his first uh, appearances of the season a few weeks ago. He, his hair was long already. He had some long hair the last few years. But, man, he let that beard go big time. I mean, it was – it was full on blown out. I mean, it looked like he'd been uh, in a in a cabin for the entire winter and just finally came out. And he did shave it down. It was much much smaller. Didn't get the didn't get the haircut yet. Although his wife says he had a he had a uh, appointment for hair to get a haircut, but it had to be postponed. So she's hoping for it to to happen uh, soon. Um, I know his wife. And his father were not big fans of the big beard, the big bushy beard. Uh, I was was talking to him uh, to Greg about it in the trailer, and his father was in the background just shaking his head. <laughs> and his wife was uh, was making comments too. His wife made one comment says, "Yeah, Greg just tells me it's his hunting beard." And she also says, "Well, he doesn't even hunt though, so I don't know what he's talking about." So she just wants him to to, to trim it down a little bit and. Uh, I know, like I think, I think Derek's called him the the dirt late model Jesus, right? With that, with that big beard and and uh, and long Jesus hair, and <laughs> right? Growing, growing hockey playoff beard, so he's got it all. Yes, that's right. Well, yeah, I I think it it got a little bit too big though, actually, for him to put his helmet on. So, but uh, yeah, he was he was getting a little bit of attention, I think, with that. So um, I think he's gonna make his his family a little bit happier with uh with trimming it down, and we'll see about the hair in the next few weeks too. But yeah, congratulations though to Greg for that big win. He was very very happy about winning at Port Royal. <laughs> As the old saying goes, for the All-American guard from Kansas State, for Kansas State, fear the beard, Jacob Pollen, little shout-out there. Robert Holman, finish strong here, buddy. Well, for, for one, I say no, Greg, no. Let it grow, baby, let it grow. Uh, it's got the best hair in dirt racing. The beard is there. It's, it's truly impressive. I mean, when you see Greg Siderly out at a track and you see that, I mean, it's – I think if he continues and we get the wind just right, we might get another one of those iconic like photos from like that Bloomquist at Eldora with the hair blowing and the American flag in the background. Uh, I think that's, you know, that's what he needs, you know, to try to strive for. So if you're listening, Greg, let it grow, buddy. Uh, my one more thing is, is actually um, kind of, along the same lines of, of what we've basically been talking about for the last 30 minutes, uh, the, the NASCAR connection and dirt racing. And 
Uh, Mike Marler, Winfield, Tennessee driver, will be making his third NASCAR Camping World Truck uh, Series start coming up this Saturday at Bristol. Uh, he's going to enter that uh, that race. I think last year he finished like 28th in it or something like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, for a guy like Mike Marler, you got to give kind of props to him for a guy who doesn't – he loves to try different things. He's never satisfied with the status quo. Uh, you know, he goes out, he wins a World of Outlaws championship, and he – if you know Mike Marlar and you followed his career, you know that he's always into trying new stuff. Uh, I know he practiced an asphalt car like in Nashville one time with, with uh, you know, the potential to drive some some of that stuff. And and then this opportunity has come up for him to drive a, uh, a NASCAR Camping World truck again. So uh, good for him. And I hope he goes out there and, and makes us all proud. A lot of weight on his shoulders. If you think about it, it's a dirt track. He's a dirt, accomplished dirt racer, a lot of weight on his shoulders, but, uh, you know, I, I think he, he uh, can handle it and make us all proud. Good luck this weekend to Mike Marler. Go, Marler, go. Put on a show at Bristol in the truck. We love to see it. Winfield, Tennessee's proud of you. We're proud of you here at Dirt on Dirt. So uh, make some noise. And, well, guys, we went a little long this week, a little longer episode, which is okay. The viewers are going to enjoy it. It was a great, great dis uh, topics of discussion. Talk about NASCAR, Prelude, Greg Satterley's big win, Turbo's big win, uh, the Slocum, the big races coming up this weekend. Great articles, as always, from these three. Uh, we'll catch you next week here on Dirt Reporters. Uh, thanks for joining us.